Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. In our last episode, we discussed US foreign policy toward Iran and why sections of the defense and foreign policy establishments in the US have been hankering for a war with Iran for years. But a war with Iran would be extremely complicated. certainly far more so than conflicts with Iraq and Afghanistan the consequences of which the US is still struggling to come to terms with and to a large extent that has to do with how Iran has operated in the region over the years and the various forces it can call upon or leverage should there be a major conflict stanley joyney joins me once again for this episode Sandy I think a big part of the fear of Iran um in the US as we were discussing in the earlier episode um comes from the idea that Iran is actually the biggest sponsor of terrorism in the region possibly in the world uh you keep hearing this phrase in reference to Iran when people talk about Iran's malign actions and I think that's what they're referring to so I want to ask you first about that and then in the process move on to actually understanding a little bit about the place that iran has in the arab world you know there is the larger geopolitical question of the arab world versus the western world yeah um but somewhat more complicated i think is uh, the power battles among the arab muslim states themselves uh, so let's start with the first one yeah what is the terrorism that iran is accused of sponsoring in the region uh, yeah i think this allegation is coming uh, mainly from the fact that Iran is supporting lots of Shia militia groups in the region. Yeah. Uh you see Iran is a Shia majority country. 89% of the population are Shia. Um and um there are other Shia majority countries or no, even if not majority there are countries where Shia population is uh you know a sizable with sizable Shia population. Uh and uh Iran had helped build Shia militant organization organizations in these countries starting 1980s uh so you have Hezbollah in Lebanon as we discussed earlier and then uh there is this Badr organization in Iraq which Iran had supported and the Supreme Council for Islamic Revolution in Iraq these these groups are legit now but not in the 1980s and 1990s when Saddam Hussein was in power right they were underground organizations militant organizations so Iran was supporting them and now if you come to present there is houthis uh, houthi organization in in yemen and then there is this fatimid banner in afghanistan so this there are shia militias across the middle east now uh and shia opposition parties there is a shia opposition party in bahrain bahrain is majority shia ruled by a sunni monarchy um uh, so iran retains some influence over them uh so the allegation is that these iran backed groups have carried out terrorist attacks so iran is accused of supporting state sponsored terrorism so that is the allegation uh so it's you know in the 1980s it's true that uh, in the 1980s these groups had committed terrorist activities for example uh you know uh, the attack on 
uh, on Jews in Argentina in Buenos Aires, mm -hmm. uh, which is accused of uh, Hezbollah. And then uh, again, Hezbollah had carried out attacks on uh, the Iraqi embassy in 1982, when before Hezbollah's formation was formally announced in 1982, uh, the Iraqi embassy in Beirut was attacked. And I think it was in 1985, uh, when American uh, uh, Marine post was attacked by Hezbollah, which killed hundreds of people, actually. Uh, so Hezbollah is ac accused of carrying out attacks, which targeted civilians as well in the 1980s. But I think uh, Hezbollah, I mean, all these organizations have over the years have evolved. So their strategy, they are not like Al-Qaeda or uh, Islamic State, which uses, you know, uh, uh, which disproportionate force, which also targets civilians, which wants to enforce their own version of particular version of Islam. These are jihadist organizations. But these Shia militia groups are not like that. They are political organizations with a militia wing. And they often now, over the years, they have evolved. For example, uh, Hezbollah is, you know, Hezbollah's logic is the rationalist that they retain their military wing to fight, fight the Israelis. Because from 1982 till 2000, when Israel was occupying southern Lebanon, Hezbollah was the main resistance force. So Hezbollah was directly fighting the Israeli troops. So that is their argument is. And Iran is also supporting Hamas. Hamas is not uh, Shia, it is Sunni. But uh, Hamas and Islamic Jihad, two uh, Islamist militant organizations in Gaza Strip, in the Gaza Strip of the Palestinian territories, they also get support from the Iranians. So their claim is that they are nationalist movements, Palestinian nationalist movements fighting the Israeli occupation. So my point is that, okay, these groups had committed acts of terror, but over the years their strategy has evolved. Mm. Now, more or less, these are militant organizations fighting one or the other uh, enemy. Uh, like, for example, like the Shia militia groups in Iraq that were fighting the American soldiers because it was war. Trump is now accusing Qasem Soleimani of, you know, killing lots of American soldiers in Iraq because Qasem Soleimani's intelligence wing, his Al-Quds force were supplying... Uh, these roadside bombs to the Shia resistance groups in Iran uh, in 2003 to 2006, attacking the Americans. That is the allegation against him. But the you know the other the bigger picture is that the Americans were they were were an occupying force in Iraq, and the Iraqis were resisting the occupation, and they were targeting the men in uniform. You know, right. so it was a war. It was an occupation. So they were not targeting. They were not directly targeting the civilians. So it doesn't, I'm not arguing that civilians were not harmed at all. Civilians are harmed in all conflicts. You know, that, you know, that, that is a serious allegation against the Iranian militias as well. You can criticize them. But while accusing them of supporting terrorism, I think there is a fine distinction between organizations like uh, the jihadist organizations like Al-Qaeda, uh, Islamic State or uh, Boko Haram. And on the other side, the militias like the Badr organization, Hezbollah, um, or the Houthis who are fighting the Saudi uh, invasion of Yemen, uh, or, uh, you know, um, uh, the uh, other uh, Shia militant groups in the region. So this fine distinction we have to, I think, understand. Uh, so I don't think that it is a fair point of calling Iran a supporter of state-sponsored terrorism no, at this time. Rather, uh, you know, if you look at Iran's strategy, 
it's largely by strategic analysts call it it's it's a forward defense doctrine mm. because iran's core interest is to preserve its regime like any any other government right. every regime wants to preserve self preservance is one of the primary motives of a government mm. right it doesn't want to collapse uh, so but iran is in a hostile region surrounded by enemies your biggest rival is the united states which has military bases around you know surrounded surrounding you mm. and uh, in the region there is israel which is a nuclear power which is also your enemy and across the gulf you have uh, saudi arabia which is a sunni kingdom sunni arab kingdom and with saudi arabia you've been you know engaged in a in a, in a fight for influence in the region for a long long time so iran iran's insecurity it's you know insecurity is driving its foreign policy to overcome this insecurity you have to do two things one is to build your conventional military might like any other country will do but iran's conventional military might is not that strong compared to great powers say uh, you when you compare iran with israel israel has f16 uh, israel has uh, advanced missile defense technology yeah but iranians do not have that they have their own indigenously developed ballistic missiles and the old soviet supplied uh, jets uh, so to overcome this defi- deficit the iranians came up with this forward defense doctrine in the 1980s it was Khomeini's call for exporting the revolution because Khomeini wanted the Islamic revolution to be repeated in other muslim countries everywhere yeah so, so I, yeah sorry i just wanted to interrupt you quickly there so i think in the previous answer you were drawing this distinction between let's call it broadly ideological terrorism this this yeah. thing of remaking the world yeah uh, that kind of burning desire to remake the world in your image and impose your ideology in the world yeah and as as distinguished from you know groups fighting military causes of their own political military causes yeah. um was there during the 80s as you were just mentioning there yeah. um was iran also did iran also have that briefly for a period this exactly. kind of ideological terrorism that's right that's right in a sense uh, uh yeah it is it is the call to export the revolution right so in the 1980s yes khomeini ayatollah rohullah khomeini who was the supreme leader yeah. he used to call upon the world's muslims to rise against their rulers right so he wanted the iranian model of revolution which is you know the iranian revolution is the difference is that in iran it is the mullahs who came to power Mm. you know unlike the unlike a communist revolution where the communists come to power yeah uh, iran it is a, i mean what fukuoka called it's a spiritual revolution yes you know uh, so those who were leading people spiritually they overthrew a monarch mm. and then they brought themselves to power and then they came up with a constitution in which you will have an elected president you will have a parliament but you will have a religious leader who will be overseeing everything who is the supreme leader so it is it is a strange constitution if you look at the iranian constitution uh, but what ayatollah khomeini at that time he called itself uh, vilayati faqi which is basically uh, jurisprudence of god and and, and the clerics that is the regime the regime's nature so he wanted that kind of revolution to be repeated everywhere okay okay uh, so he called upon the muslims especially shia muslims in in saudi arabia to rise against the king because the monarchy is anti islamic he says right he asked the shias elsewhere to rise against uh, their oppressors and uh, i think initially the revolutionary guard corps they started setting up this shia groups like hezbollah because they wanted revolution to be repeated in those countries mm. so iran uh, throughout the 1980s iran was very much in a revolutionary fever 
and they wanted to export the revolution. But I think that phase is gone. That phase is past. And then in the 1990s, if you look at it, you know, Iran is a much more practical regime. But it continued supporting the militias because having realized its own, you know, uh, limitations in expanding its military power or whatever, for self-preservance and for deterrence, Iran started funding, bankrolling, or setting up militias in different parts of the region. So through these militias, Iran is expanding its influence. Now, so that is for Iran, from, from the Iranian point of view, that is Iran's deterrence. Because Iran is telling its enemies that if, we are, if you are attacking us, we can set the whole region on, on fire. Hmm. So that's the message, I think. Okay. So the second part, um, in the larger kind of internecine battles in the Arab world, in the Middle East, yeah. you did mention that Iran as the kind of um, the, the premier Shia power yeah. is surrounded by enemies on all sides. Yeah. Who are Iran's allies? Uh, yeah. Uh, see, Iran, it, it is, Iran is Persian. Mm. Uh, it's not Arab. Right. Uh, so Iran is it's a it's a unique country in a sense if you look at the ethnic ethnicity. Yeah. So there are Shias, but the Shias in Iraq are Arabs. Right. The Shias in Lebanon are Arabs. Mm -hmm. Right. The Shias in in Syria are Arabs. So Iran has its own ethnic, uh, you know, the unique argument about the Persian civilization, etc., etc. Yes. Uh, so that is that is one thing. That is one point of distinction because you know if we are talking about modern countries with secular democratic ideals, these arguments may not make a sense. Mm. But Iran uh, is, has always been Persian. It mm. has always been religious, except maybe a brief period of Shah's forced westernization period. Yeah. So we have to look into these aspects, uh, you know, uh, take these aspects into consideration. Uh, so that is one thing. And secondly, Iran is Shia. Yeah. Uh, it's a Shia majority country. So, uh, so the rivalry between this Iran, uh, the, the, the Shia country and Saudi Arabia on the other side, which is a Sunni Wahhabi kingdom, it's been there for a long time. Right. Even before the Iranian revolution, both these countries were actually fighting for influence in the region. So that's one thing. Uh, so if you, if you look at Iran's allies, I think the only national ally Iran has, historically speaking, is Syria. Okay. Now, now you can say Iraq is also an ally of uh, uh, Iran, but Iraq is also an ally of the United States. So that yeah. is, Iraq is kind of stuck in between, you know. Now, after the assassination of Soleimani, Iraq has taken a bold step uh, to expel the Americans from the Iraqi soil because it's difficult for them to continue this balancing game between these two, uh, you know, at a time when the hostilities are rising. But uh, still, Iraq wants to uh, have ties with both. So in that sense, the only ally, historical ally Iran has, national ally Iran has in the region is Syria. So Syria is ruled by Alawites, uh, if you look at the relig religion of the rulers. So both the current president, Bashar al-Assad, and his father, Hafiz al-Assad, they are from the Alawite family. Uh, so the Alawites are, it's an offshoot of Shia Islam again. Mm. They're not directly part of the 12-er Shia Islam, which the Iranians, you know, uh, their faith but they are, uh, they belong, it's, a, it's an offshoot of uh, Shiaism, Alawites. So, uh, Syria is the ally. Is the, that alliance actually goes back to the 1970s, not even before that. So, Syria has remained an ally. And also, when we look at Iran's forward defense doctrine, 
ஹெஸ்பல்லா இஸ் இரான்ஸ் மோஸ்ட் இம்பார்ட்டன்ட் ஆர்கனைசேஷன் அவுட் சைட் இட்ஸ் பார்டர் the most important pro iran shia organization is hezbollah because if hezbollah's military muscle is too strong even the israelis uh, you know uh, got a taste of it yeah uh, the israelis were forced to withdraw from southern lebanon in 2000 after 18 years of occupation and in 2006 when israel bombed lebanon again after 30 days of bombing israel still couldn't defeat hezbollah hezbollah was still firing rockets hundreds of them into northern israel from lebanon even on the last day of bombing right and israel had to withdraw troops right. in a ceasefire so hezbollah is a formidable militant organization and it is also politically very powerful and the current lebanese president michel on is an ally of hezbollah mm. so the the shia political faction is very powerful in lebanon right uh, so hezbollah is very important for uh, iran and the geographical connection between Iran and Hezbollah is Syria. Right. You know, uh, so all those weapons and money and other logistical support which Iran was supplying to Hezbollah, which for Hezbollah is a lifeline because nobody else would send weapons to Hezbollah. Right. It is not a government. It is a, a militia group. Yeah. So it will get weapons and money from the Iranians. So all these weapons were going through Syria. So the point is why the Iranians interfered in Syria in the uh, when the civil war broke out was that if the Syrian regime fell in 2011 when the civil war broke out then the vital link between the Iranian government and Hezbollah would be cut off so one of the major challenges which Qasim Soleimani himself faced back in 2011 was to save this regime the Syrian regime and he did that right so he was one of the architects it was his war the syrian civil war was his war you know okay the russian intervention made the change in 2015 the russians turned around the balance of power uh, in the civil war and then it helped the government but the whole strategy of counter attacks uh, was laid down by qasim soleimani so there were reports in western media that it was qasim soleimani who convinced putin that the russians should interfere in syria in favor of the regime against the rebels right so he played that important role so syria is that important for the iranians they can't afford to lose syria syria And, syria is is the way that they send supplies yeah. to hezbollah to hezbollah. hezbollah so if you are losing syria so uh, interestingly one uh, iranian politician apparently told dexter filkins of the new yorker that if you can't keep damascus you can't keep tehran right yeah so it's that important so another ally of course is now it's the iraqi government because after the american invasion iraq is ruled by shia parties mm-hmm. so iraq is uh, majority shia um, so uh, and the current government uh, abdul mahdi's government is uh, you know again qasim soleimani has played pivotal roles in government formations in iraq uh you know uh, right from the first government first post invasion government of nuri al maliki mm. so apparently maliki and sulaimani didn't see uh, eye to eye but still uh, sulaimani supported maliki to become the prime minister in the first election that was held after the american invasion and in return the maliki government government continued to support the iranians even the current government was also the prime minister himself said that sulaimani was coming to meet me and what you did he was telling the americans is an act of aggression right yeah uh, so uh, of course the iraqi government is also another ally i think these are the only national allies the iranians got in the region 
Okay, so if we were to sort of draw blocks, and again I'm doing this, I'm sorry it might seem a bit simplistic to you, but I think this is a, a, a thing that a lot of people are not clear about. Yeah. So if you were to draw blocks, um, so there's Iran, uh, and there's, there's Syria, yeah. there's Lebanon, yeah. and who is, is, that, is that one block who would be opposing them? Yeah, uh, see, uh, in the, suppose that there is a war. Yes. Uh, let's assume. I mean, yeah. I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. But we are discussing all kind of possibilities. Uh, if there is a war, I don't... I mean, uh, I think these countries may not help Iran directly. Right. Uh, the Lebanese government would not do it. Mm -hmm. Do that. Okay. But the Lebanese government is not a cohesive entity. That is the problem. Uh, Hezbollah could be stronger than the Lebanese National Army. Uh, but what can happen is that Hezbollah can attack Israel. Mm. So, Iran's threat the threat is that it will open multiple fronts so that is that is in in if you look at war history of war that is one major threat you know if you are opening multiple fronts which means you are drawing in several countries into a conflict so the risks will be higher so what hezbollah could do the lebanese government might stay out of it but hezbollah can start firing rockets into israel right and israel can't do just uh, okay fine hezbollah it can't do that israel will be forced to respond yes which means israel will attack lebanon right and the iraqi government may not may might stay out of it even if Iraq, iraqi government is an ally of uh, tehran they might want to stay out of it but uh, there are uh, you know this popular mobilization forces are there mm. which are iraqi shia militias founded and funded by the iranians so the Kateb, Kateb Hezbollah, th this is an Iraqi group. It is not the Lebanese Hezbollah. Kateb Hezbollah is one of the organizations in the popular mobilization forces. Right. So the guy who was killed along with Suleimani, Mohandis, is the deputy commander of popular mobilization forces. Okay. So the popular mobilization forces, you know, they themselves are a formidable militia group now, militia umbrella organization. So the Iraqi government might want to stay out of a conflict, but the PMF can launch rockets at its enemies, say across the Gulf, to the Southeast, to Kuwait, to Bahrain. They possess uh, long-range, mid to long-range rockets as well. So which means they will be drawing in other countries. So the threat is that, yeah, Iraq, also the Syrian government itself may not be that powerful. They may not be able to do anything. But at the same time, they can also, you know, uh, they can offer support to the uh, Iranians in one way or the other. So the, the, the real threat is that uh, Iran has vowed revenge. It, it has promised to avenge the death of Qasim Soleimani. But we don't know. I, uh, I think my sense is that Iran would do something, but we don't know what they are going to do. Uh, it could be anything from launching ballistic missiles to American bases in the region to an asymmetric attack. And so it, Iran might have a wide range of possibilities. So, But I think that they will do something because if they don't do anything, that's a hole in their deterrence. You know, the Americans can take out one of the top generals of your regime and if you don't respond, which means, which is weakness, so that the Israelis can do it tomorrow. So that is, Iran doesn't want that to happen. So they will do something. And if the Iranian retaliation provokes the Americans to start hitting targets inside Iran, as Trump has already threatened, that means war. Right. Then I think it will spiral out of control. You don't know what's going to happen next. So in the event of an aggression, Iran not only has multiple fronts of attack, yeah. it's also 
a cynical way of looking at it is that it's it has insurances on many fronts in the sense that it's yeah it has invested in exactly several militias around the region exactly. that could that could asymmetric asymmetrically attack as you say yeah targets yeah that's right uh, see uh, iran see america's recent invasions say after the disintegration of the soviet union the us has gone to war to many countries it went to bosnia it went to yugoslavia it went to afghanistan it went to iraq it went to libya it went to somalia among all these countries iran is the most powerful one right so it's like someone like someone said a war with iran would make america's previous conflicts in the last couple of decades a walk in the park just to quickly clarify one thing what is what is iran's equation with pakistan and afghanistan uh yeah uh afghanistan actually with the current government iran has good relationship in a sense iran uh taliban iran had serious issues with taliban mm. taliban is a sunni diobandi uh, militia yeah uh, you know and then uh, during the taliban regime taliban had targeted uh, afghan shias hazaras who make up some 20% of the afghan population uh so it's a formidable minority group within afghanistan but they came under persecution during the taliban regime and uh i think along the border one of the iranian consulates were attacked during the taliban re- taliban regime and iran uh, went to the brink of war with taliban at that time that is one of the reasons that iranians cooperate with the united states during the war in 2001 uh but with the current government iran yeah iran would any day prefer the current government uh they have good relationship and there is one uh, as we discussed earlier there is one militia as well mm. uh which is uh, pro iran militia and qasim suleimani's group quds force had recruited afghan shia militants to fight in syria okay. during the syrian civil war so they they maintain some kind of relationship with afghanistan with pakistan i think the government to government relationship is good uh but pakistan i think is primarily pakistan is an ally of saudi arabia So Pakistan has issued a statement asking the Americans and the Iranians to stay uh, away from to de-escalate tensions etc but Pakistan is not an ally of Iran Pakistan could be a partner of Iran Pakistan wants energy from Iran Pakistan wanted to go ahead with the pipeline project to import gas from Iran because Pakistan is suffering from serious power outages uh, so it has its own problems so it wants good ties with Iran but it is not an ally of Iran it is rather an ally of Saudi Arabia which is Iran's hostile power. Stanley Johnny, um thank you for the time. That was fascinating. Thanks Jane. It was a nice discussion.